podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. Gather all Gather all in the arms of your pity. The sick. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Gather up in the arms of your love Those who expect no Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Scripture this morning is from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 18 to 32. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. In response to his people, the Lord said, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a mockery among the nations. I will remove the northern army far from you and drive it into a parched and desolate land, its front into the eastern sea and its rear into the western sea. Its stench and foul smell will rise up. Surely he has done great things. Do not fear, O soil. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, you animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and vine give their full yield. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain. For your vindication, he has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, 
and my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I, the Lord, am your God and there is no other, and my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves, in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The Great Lakes and the Gulf of Mexico The land between sustains us all To cherish it our tireless call Arise, arise I see the future in your eyes To a more perfect union we aspire And lift our voices from the fire We reach these shores from many lands We came with hungry hearts and hands Some came by force and some by will At the auction block or the darkened mill Arise, arise I see the future in your eyes To a more perfect union we aspire And lift our voices from the fire died in your fields and your factories Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees With an old coat hanger in a room somewhere A trail of tears and electric chair Arise, arise Perfect union we aspire And lift our voices from the fire Our great responsibility To be guardians of our liberty Till tyrants bow to the 
people's dream And justice flows like a mighty stream Union, we aspire and lift our voices from the fire. Arise, arise. I see the future in your eyes. To a more perfect union, we aspire. To all of you here and to those um, at home or wherever you're joining us for today's worship, I am uh, uh, grateful to all of you for this uh, opportunity to share a word of hope uh, today. So I've been to... Um, effort before, but this is the first time I think I'm preaching. So, um, Pastor Kristen, take a long leave. <laughs> Go on vacation. Um, on behalf of Reconciling Ministries Network, I bring you greetings um, of love and joy as one of our, you know, reconciling congregations, your, your steadfast witness as a reconciling church inspires our movement. So thank you so much for your continuing prayers, your presence, and of course your, your gifts. Um, okay, it's 1025. You know what they say. Uh, Blessed are those who preach short for they shall be invited again. So <laughs> let's try and see if we could get this done uh, quick. But I was told you end at 11 something, you know, but we'll see. Okay. Now, have you watched the movie The Prom? Anybody here? Have watched the movie The Prom? Okay, so if you haven't seen it, hopefully you'll watch it. If you have Netflix, go watch it. Uh, it's, uh, its cast includes Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and James Corden. It's a story that revolves around Broadway stars rallying support for a lesbian teen who wants to go to prom with her girlfriend. Okay, I'm not going to give you more details because you'd have to watch it, right? So this is set in a small town in Indiana. So these are, you know, New Yorkers going to Indiana and rocking the boat there somewhat. Um, now, I came out to my parents pretty late in life, and I was, I knew I was gay in fifth grade. So at least I, you know that movie, so just hold on to that. Uh, I knew I was gay in fifth grade. I was about 10 years old. And then I came out to my parents in 2016. Um, I was already 48 years old by then, so just imagine that span of time I was in the closet. Now, their response was gracious and yet guarded. Um, they said, you are our son and we love you. And I was like, oh, thank God I'm not going to be disowned or I'm not going to lose my parents. Um, and they said, and we love you. And then there's an aside there. They would say, but we just hope that, you know, we don't want you to get in trouble with the church. So try not to get married, right? <laughs> or do a same-gender wedding or officiate that. 
I just smiled, of course. <laughs> now, that was 2016, right? My, last year, my, um, in one of my regularly phone calls with my parents, sometimes they call me on a Sunday and just checking in on me, my mom was so excited to tell me that upon the recommendation of my niece, you know, you know my mom and pa my parents live with my other brother in Texas. So my niece apparently recommended the movie The Prom. And my mom told me that she watched it, and she said, it's beautiful, I loved it. And I was on the other line, I was like, wow. <laughs> I said, okay, she wasn't seeing the tears of happiness in my eyes, because it wasn't FaceTime. All I said was, I'm very glad you liked it. You know, my family is not really into very direct emotional conversations, but that was my mom's way of saying, I'm growing in my understanding of who you are and who you may love. Keep walking with me. So for, they're very conservative Methodists, you know. Um, my home church in the Philippines is the oldest Methodist church, and my dad is a, a, a convert. So they're very zealous. It bolstered my hope for full affirmation from my family at some point. Slow steps. Now, I came out to my bishops in the Philippines um, in 2015, a year before I came out to my parents. I never thought I would ever come out of the closet. However, I was given a chance to speak to the whole church about human sexuality, which is code word for I'm gay, um, in a forum hosted by no less than our UMC Connectional Table, okay? In the most unique location in Mozambique, and I said, if I get to do this, and the church is having it on video on YouTube, you could actually still see it. Like, if you Google my name in Mozambique, you'll see that video. Um, it's my coming out video to the whole church, so I had to come out to my bishops before they see it on YouTube, right? Um, and I could not pass up on that opportunity. Now, most of our Filipino bishops are traditional, um, but I have a great relationship with them because they've known me since I was young, since I was like little, because I was you know, basically raised in this church, born and baptized and raised in this church. But I have noticed something since 2015, um, there's a difference. My bishops are now more open in lifting up conversation about, conversations about homosexuality. We never really talk about this, or if we talk about this, it's all in hushed tones and just like, you know, taboo almost conversation. But I was invited to a meeting together with some uh, progressive leaders in the Philippines to a meeting of our Central Conference College of Bishops because they were contemplating something about a resolution related to homosexuality and same-gender weddings, which we stopped them from issuing that anyway. But I heard them say this, like one of my bishops, um, my own bishop said this, that we need to be listening more to the voices of LGBTQ people because we've been doing this different fora on, on, on human sexuality or marriage and the church, but we're hearing from our young people that they need to hear from LGBTQ voices who are not in the room, and we're talking about them without them here. My own bishop said this. And then another, another bishop said that, um, I know that we have LGBTQ clergy and deaconesses, and they are serving the church well with their gifts and graces. And I was like, in the room with another, with another queer person, a lesbian, and 
<laughs> I was like, I cannot believe I'm hearing this. I'm in a college of bishops meeting and they're talking about me and my people, which I would never think that that would happen before. And these people don't even, these bishops don't even really openly support same-sex marriage, at least not in the Philippines. But I was surprised to hear them say, but if our church in the United States and other places where they are able, and this is part of their ministry context, by all means, they have moved. Again, this was a moment of hope. Um, I do recognize that this is not the usual experience of many of my LGBTQ siblings. It is not. Many who are thrown out of their homes as teenagers, many who have been harmed or harmed themselves or taken their own lives, many continue, who continue to be bullied, many who continue to live in the fear of being found out, many who serve the church in the closet imposed on us by culture and religion, many fellow LGBTQ clergy siblings who are threatened to be defrocked. I'm also a former refugee. Um, I was granted political asylum in this country in 2007 because of the extrajudicial killings and forced disappearances of, of human rights advocates and community leaders in my home country. And it took me a while to even consider citizenship, which I was granted citizenship last year. What pushed me was Donald Trump. And I said, well, it's not safe to even be a permanent resident. I think I need to do this and be part of of decision-making in this country. But there are so many people who, who are still in this limbo of immigration that does not, they don't have that privilege that I have. You know, um, I was never undocumented. I became a refugee from having a student visa. Um, however, in these situations of crisis, I also recognize the power of hope. For hope, my friends, only exists and thrives, ironically, in the context of hopelessness and seeming defeat. In the same way that the full moon is most bright when it appears in the dead of night, hope is most powerful and potent in the face of adversity. I believe that when struggling against systems of oppression, being hopeful and talking about hope is not just providing encouragement or pastoral care to calm our fears. Hope, our Christian hope, which is rooted in our faith, is our prophetic word for our long journey as we build beloved community. For hope is not only aspirational, it is a claim, I believe, to victory in liberation. Hope is not only a vision, hope is also a call to action. Now this view of hope is clear in the Hebrew word for hope, which I really, really like. In English, hope is somewhat um, an abstract idea of expectation. I hope it's not going to rain, but I think we have a 30% chance of rain this afternoon. Hallelujah, right? I hope a little bit abstract. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it's not going to happen. But you know. But the Hebrew word for hope, tikva. Yes, it also connotes expectation, but it's more concrete because it also means a cord or a rope that you hold on to. So it gives meaning to you're at the rock bottom, and this is the rope that you're going to hold on to to be rescued, 
Or if you're coming from the top of the mountain and you're going down or you're rappelling, whatever, this is the hope that you hold on to. If you're bungee jumping, it is the cord that is tied to you so you won't die when you take that leap. It is the cord that keeps you where you need to be and be safe. So it comes from the root word to bind or to wait or to wait, to wait for or to wait upon. It is concrete. You can hold on to it. Rope, this rope is our hope. Hope is actively holding to a rope when one hits rock bottom. Hope is actively waiting to be lifted up. Hope is actively binding one to a principle or binding powers of evil for it to cease in creating more harm. My friends, proclaiming hope then, I believe, is subversive in the face of hopelessness because it disrupts callousness, complacency, complicity in any form of discrimination and injustice. Such subversion, in my view, is prophetic. In our tradition, being prophetic destabilizes the status quo of evil and injustice. Prophetic work rocks the boat of the institutions of the church and society to wake it up and call it to righteous indignation. There are elements of this prophetic hope from the Bible passage we read today that illustrates this. Prophetic hope is anchored in acts of intervention from God. That's one thing that I saw in this passage. We are witnesses and messengers of God's action. We're not doing that intervention. God is doing that intervention in this passage. The words of the prophet Joel was set in the context of drought, of a locust infestation, and war in the life of, of Israel. So here this litany of God's intervention in the, made, in the midst of shame, of want, and fear. God says, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a mockery among the nations. If you read this passage, there's a lot of, of, God, of, of, God, of things here being said about you will no longer be shamed. I will remove the northern army Far from you and drive it into a parched and desolate land. Do not fear even to the animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and vine give their full yield. For God has given the rain for your vindication. God has poured down for your abundant rain, for you abundant rain. The threshing floors shall be full of grain and vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you. For the years that the swarming locust has eaten, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. My people shall never again be put to shame. God's intervention, God acting, is where our hope comes from. Prior to joining the staff of Reconciling Ministries Network, this was in 2013, I served uh, for, I think, five years as a community organizer for Unite Here Local 2. Uh, in San Francisco. This is the Food Service and Hotel uh, Workers Union in San Francisco. When the workers of the Hyatt Hotel chain nationally, you know, here in the U.S., were on strike, and we were, reaching, uh, and we were reaching out to conference organizers to boycott the Hyatt, I um, 
I was with a delegation. I was uh, accompanying a delegation of hotel housekeepers from the Hyatt to meet with Catholic charities. Because Catholic charities had their big national conventions scheduled at a local Hyatt. And so the workers are there asking them to honor the workers' picket line and cancel their conference. Um, and we met with a Catholic priest who was running the show. So, of course, we had a lot of Catholic hotel workers were joining in. And one of their uh, spokespersons, she, she was a housekeeper, you know, um, an older lady, she's petite, she's just, you know, you wouldn't see that she had a lot of punch in her. But when I heard her speak, I mean, this wasn't even rehearsed. I said, just speak from your heart. That's what I told them. Like, speak from your faith. You're talking to a person of faith. And she told the priest, I ask you to boycott Hyatt because I know we will win. How do I know this? She said, I go to church every week to Mass, and I pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe. God is a God of justice, and God will prevail. We're asking for a fair contract, Father. Would you want to be on God's side and join us? I always tell people, if you want your pastor to be convinced, ask a member of the church to do it. You know, Catholic charities promptly canceled their contract. And eventually, the Hyatt workers got their fair, con their fair contract. Declaring God's intervention, when she said, God is on our side and God will win. Declaring God's intervention is an act of prophetic hope. It is hope that subverts injustice. A prophetic hope also heralds in the content of this hope. It's grace and inclusion. In verse 28, we read what Peter also cited in his day of Pentecost sermon in the book of Acts of the Apostles. So you can see this text both in Joel and also in, in Acts of the Apostles. Then afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female slaves. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Now, there are two things that I want to take note of here. First, it declares inclusion as the vision for God's people. The Spirit is given to all, regardless of who they are, even to those who are considered slaves in a society and a culture that had slavery. It is equally potent when Peter cited this passage in his message to those attending the Pentecost feast in Jerusalem, that after the coming out event of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' disciples, people from many nations who spoke different languages, Gentiles, heard this message of inclusion. All will receive God's Spirit. Not just Jews, but Gentiles. Not just those who have power, but really those who are even slaves. In a largely patriarchal system, that Joel and Peter declared here that women and the young and those who are probably considered infirm because of their age, it's like very ageist here, but 
God is saying, you will receive my spirit and the power to speak out. Now this, again, is subversive. It calls into question hierarchies of power and influence. It puts aside assumptions of who belongs and who is to be excluded. All that is gone in this vision, in this hopeful vision. This is prophetic hope. It is tikva, a rope we can hold on to, a cord that binds us to the principle of inclusion in the life and ministry of our church. Now, second, I note in these words of hope, is it is a call for action. It is not just passive hoping, but it is a call for action. God's Spirit is poured out to all, and those who receive it will prophesy. So you don't just receive it. There's an action involved. You speak out. You prophesy. You are present. You are a witness. Those who are called to inclusion are also expected to be bound to action in pushing wide open the doors and barriers that exclude any of God's children. Again, this is subversive because those excluded, those who have been excluded, have the power to speak up and be heard. You're not just receiving grace. You have the power to actually act on it, speak, and be present, and be heard. This is prophetic hope that declares those who are oppressed need no savior or a knight in shining armor. We don't want saviors to save my community, queer people who are strong. We do need allies, but we're already doing the work. People of color are also standing up. Immigrants are standing up. We need support. But we can speak up. We have that voice. God's act of intervention and inclusion gives those considered other the power to act for their own liberation. I heard it from a friend and sibling in ordained ministry before that while we as a denomination currently wallow in the shameful situation of excluding LGBTQ people as full participants in building beloved community. We also have prophetic hope because we know how this story ends. This struggle ends with inclusion and affirmation as we continue to act and speak out against all forms of discrimination. Just look at the passage that ends this text today. Look at the verses. I will show portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Do you remember when these things happen? Do you remember where in Scripture you saw all of these things? The pillar of smoke of fire, the sun's rays ceased and midday turned into night. These are events that preceded the liberation of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. So God is saying, I am going to do all these things. And after that, you will prophesy. And to give you prophetic hope, you know I will do this because you've seen this before. I freed you from Pharaoh. You have seen this before. You know how this story ends. You have seen the signs 
this is what I hold on to. Nothing that can take away my own call to ministry as a queer person. It is my baptismal covenant. This is our cord for justice, our hope. I pray that God would continue to imbue us with prophetic hope, that we would not tire to be witnesses to God's amazing grace, that we would hold on to that tikva. If we need to rest, let us rest and let others take the baton and run, but let us not tire of hoping and declaring hope because I think when we keep doing it when we keep showing up it provides strength for others who are needing that rope to be rescued to lift themselves up this is our hope Amen podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.